We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 471 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Sunday, December 25th, 2022. It is Christmas 2022. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate Christmas. I uh, hope that you're enjoying time with your family and friends. Hope that you're not suffering from hypothermia uh, with what's happening with the weather. Yes, it has been cold lately. It has been a wee bit nipply lately, and the performance of our commanders on Saturday, on Christmas Eve, uh, not exactly the type of performance that warms you up, unless maybe you're Carson Wentz. I mean, I guess you could say that Carson had a pretty good Christmas Eve as head coach Ron Rivera went back to Commander Carson as the commander's quarterback. Uh, Santa Ron delivered to Carson the chance to play again, (laughs) while Ron was the Grinch who stole Christmas from Taylor Heineke, from our guy Tay-Tay. Yes, we did have a change at quarterback for the Commanders in what ended up being an ugly 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Christmas Eve. Hello and welcome to this oh-so-special Christmas Sunday Commanders post-game show installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I will not be doing a show for Monday. I'm going to actually try to spend a few minutes with my family at some point uh, during this Christmas season, but I will be doing a show for Tuesday, and I am with you for this ultra-rare Christmas Sunday installment of the podcast to discuss our commanders falling to 7-7-1. You know, the commanders are going to end up going winless in the month of December. Yeah. The Commanders were 7-5 through November. The Commanders end up having an 0-2-1 month of December. The Commanders' last win was the 1913 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field on November 27th. And yet, and yet, here we are. The Commanders still are the number seven seed in the NFC and still are in possession of the NFC's third and final wildcard spot. If the Commanders win their final two games in this 2022 NFL regular season, the Commanders will make the playoffs. The Commanders on Saturday afternoon did get the two results that the team most needed in terms of other teams' games. The Seattle Seahawks fell to 7-8 and eight with a 24-10 loss at the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Detroit Lions fell to 7-8 and eight with a 37-23 loss at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, also, the New York Giants lost. Uh, they fell to 8-6-1 and one with a 27-24 loss at the Minnesota Vikings. What you wanted as a Commanders fan from the 1 p.m. games on Saturday, of course, was the Seahawks, Lions, and Giants to all lose. Well, all three of those teams did lose. And so the Commanders are right where they were entering Saturday in control of their own destiny, so to speak. But what to make of what happened at The Niners, a 17-point loss for the Commanders. What was the Commanders' worst loss of this regular season in terms of margin of defeat? Next segment, I will go in-depth on the situation at quarterback. Rod Rivera in the fourth quarter, benching Taylor Heineke in favor of Carson Wentz. It could not have been more obvious that Ron was looking to do this. Well, he did it. 
Uh, was it justified? And what will slash should be next for the commanders at quarterback? Uh, you will hear key postgame comments from all parties involved, Ron Taylor and Carson. I have a lot to say about what each guy did in the game on Saturday. I also have a lot to say about something that has been a big part of this entire commanders quarterback saga this season, a commander's offensive line that has been a big disappointment. Uh, I'll then discuss the work of the commander's defense in the loss at the 49ers. Uh, This was far from the defense at its best, but we did see a very nice and encouraging 2022 season debut from edge defender Chase Young. The Predator was back And he looked good. You know, that may well have been the biggest positive for the commanders. Chase Young really could be a factor down the stretch. Uh, I'll also talk about some other aspects of the loss, including a woeful game for the commanders rushing offense and a not so good game for commanders special teams. Uh, Also on the show, NHL history for Capitals winger Alex Ovechkin. He on Friday night in a 4-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets at Capital when Arena scored two goals to tie and move past Gordie Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history. And oh, by the way, the Caps are rolling. They now have won nine of their last 10 games. Uh, I'll also discuss the Wizards. Uh, They on Friday night got a good win and a much needed end uh, to their season-long six-game road trip, a 125-111 win at the Sacramento Kings. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the commanders off this loss at the 49ers. Tweet from E. Foley. Heineke is a problem. I don't know that Wentz is an answer. Uh, yeah, you know, there's the cliche in football. When you have two quarterbacks, you really have no quarterbacks, and uh, that may well apply to our team. A tweet from Coach Negative, Heineke is terrible, Al, on a competent team with a decent offensive coordinator. Heineke doesn't play. Scott Turner is terrible and makes the worst decisions. You know, at one point, <laughs> at one point on Saturday, I was on Twitter, and I looked off to the side you know, where you see what's trending. And one of the things that was trending was hashtag fire Scott Turner. (laughs) I don't know why that stuff always makes me laugh. Tweet from the Washington brass. Neither quarterback should be back under center next year. Lance, Love, or Huntley. Uh, You know, it's possible both guys are gone after this season. I don't know how likely that is, but that is a possibility. You can't dismiss that. Uh, Tweet from Ron. I don't think Ron Rivera, although maybe when you hear this tweet, Taylor Heineke isn't the answer at quarterback. If Carson Wentz plays well, do you bring him back and still pay Deron Payne? If not, do you release Wentz to pay Payne? Do you target another quarterback in free agency or in the draft? A guy to compete with Sam Howell. Well, look, as things stand right now, what I would do is see how Carson Wentz performs over the remaining uh, two regular season games for the Commanders. And yes, I do think that Carson is now the Commanders starting quarterback, even though uh, Ron Rivera would not declare that during his postgame press conference on Saturday night. So see how Carson does. If Carson kills it, then I would be open to bringing him back. But anything short of that, no, I would not bring Carson back. I would re-sign Taylor Heineke. I would obviously hold on to Sam Howell, and I would try to draft someone who I like. But, you know, that's an if, because you don't know exactly who you're going to like and how realistic drafting someone who you do like is going to be. But the draft, to me, is the path I would like to go down. As we saw last offseason in the NFL, it is dangerous when you play the veteran quarterback game. And as we have seen this NFL season, so many of the veteran quarterback acquisitions from this past offseason have been flops. A tweet from John Bile regarding the commander's offensive line problems. And again, I'll be getting into those next segment. Watching Trent Williams on the other side was sobering. Uh, No, the Commanders did not come through on Christmas Eve. Hopefully Santa Claus did come through for you on Christmas Eve. And know this, the great Dr. George Verghese will come through for you regarding any 
dermatological needs. Uh, Dr. George Verghese, he is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is an elite dermatologist, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care, whatever your dermatological needs may be. Call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big Commanders fan. He is a loyal listener of this podcast and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you are dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you're dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Burgess and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Burgess and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer like SRT, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301 396 3401. That's 301 396 3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. But call 301 396 3401. You could also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skincare, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the Al Galdi podcast. Please consider doing those things if you haven't yet done them or have not done them in a while. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two. Uh, I don't know how anyone who follows the Commanders could not have thought that Taylor Heineke's status as a team's number one quarterback was on the line in this game at the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday. Commander's head coach Ron Rivera had all but said that this was the case. It's funny, the way that Ron has talked about Taylor this season has reminded me of the way that Ron talked about quarterback Alex Smith late in the 2020 season, you know, almost like this begrudging praise. And while there definitely are differences between Alex in 2020 and Taylor in 2022, there are some striking similarities, uh, namely, each guy had a good record as a Washington quarterback, despite neither guy exactly killing it in terms of his work as a passer. And each guy was to be admired for having that record and was to be admired for a lot of things uh, that the guy did. And so on Saturday, uh, despite Taylor Heineke having a very good first half, he got benched in favor of Carson Wentz in the fourth quarter. Uh, Ron Rivera clearly was looking for an opening to bench Taylor for Carson, and Ron got that opening, and so a change at quarterback was made in what ended up being an ugly loss for the Commanders. Uh, they fell to 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one with a 37-20 loss at the 49ers. Now, before we go any further on this quarterback situation, I do want to make a few things clear. A- Taylor Heineke was not the commander's biggest problem on Saturday, and in fact, he did some really impressive things considering the opposition. B, that said, I do think that Carson Wentz offers more upside than Taylor does, and thus this change at quarterback by Ron Rivera isn't crazy. And C, as much as we can talk about Taylor and Carson, and Carson and Taylor, the truth is this. The offensive line is the thing, man. The complete collapse of Washington's offensive line from a pass protection standpoint has been the commander's number one problem this season. Like, if you are itemizing why the commander's offense isn't good this season, the number one reason is this falling off a cliff of the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint. 
Now, pass protection encompasses a lot of things, including quarterbacks uh, handling and avoiding pressure and tight ends and running backs and blocking and offensive coordinators and scheming up ways of dealing with pressure. So, you know, pass protection isn't all on an offensive line, but the foundation of pass protection is the offensive line, the blocking of the offensive line. Washington's offensive line this season quantifiably has collapsed in terms of pass protection. Washington finished the 2021 regular season number nine in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate at 63%. And pass block win rate is all about how you are blocking. Pass block win rate strips away something like, you know, a quarterback not handling pressure well or a quarterback taking the wrong amount of drops uh, in his drop back, that kind of a thing. Okay, so Washington finished the 2021 regular season at number nine in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate. But the commanders for the 2022 regular season through week 15 were number 26 in the NFL in ESPN's team pass block win rate at 54%. Specific to this loss at the 49ers. Yeah. They have an excellent defensive front that includes an absolute phenom and edge defender Nick Bosa. And yes, the Commanders on Saturday ultimately only gave up two sacks, but the Commanders on Saturday also allowed the 49ers to finish with seven quarterback hits. Uh, The Commanders offensive line on Saturday was guilty of three penalties. The Commanders center on Saturday, Wes Schweitzer, was horrendous. With his shotgun snaps, one shotgun snap after another by Wes was low. I don't know what was going on with that, but it was impossible to ignore. And when you take a step back, so many of the commander's losses this season have included the commanders getting worked by opposing teams' pass rushes. And this loss at the 49ers on Saturday was the latest instance of this. And then when you add on to all of this that the commander's run blocking on Saturday left a whole lot to be desired, uh, yeah, the offensive line is the thing. That's not to say that the quarterback position isn't a thing, because the quarterback position very much is a thing. And I don't want to do too much on the commander's offseason right now, because, you know, now is not the time for commander's offseason conversation. You know, the commanders still are very much in the thick of a playoff race. Heck, they still hold possession of the third and final wildcard spot in the NFC. But let me just say this, an overhaul of the commander's offensive line is needed and should be coming this offseason. You don't have to get rid of everyone necessarily, but you got to get rid of a good chunk of people, okay? And you got to rethink some things in terms of who you have and what you have on this offensive line. As for Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz, well, this was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on why he benched Taylor in favor of Carson. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. Well, I, I knew one thing. We were going to throw the ball, and we didn't need them to just tee off on the guy. So we wanted to, to give Carson a shot and let him throw the ball around a little bit and see where he is. And just real quick on that, is this Carson going forward? or No, I, I, we're going to evaluate the table, talk about those things, and uh, I'll make a decision next week. I'll make it early, too, because whoever's going to start is going to get the chance to work. All right, so nothing is official, not yet, uh, regarding Carson Wentz being back to officially being the commander's number one quarterback, but I would be stunned if Carson isn't named the commander's starting quarterback for their next game. Home to the Cleveland Browns on Sunday afternoon, January 1st, New Year's Day at 1. In my opinion, Ron Rivera has already made up his mind. Uh, Taylor Heineke on Saturday, he was the commander's starting quarterback for a ninth consecutive game. He played very well in the first half, but he committed two crucial fourth quarter turnovers, and he then got benched. The turnovers were the opening that Ron Rivera was looking for to bench Taylor Heineke in favor of Carson Wentz. The margin of error for Taylor in this game was oh so slim. Ron Rivera was ready to bench Taylor in favor of Carson, and all Ron needed was a plausible reason to bench Taylor in favor 
of Carson. When we had back-to-back commander's offensive drives in the fourth quarter uh, that resulted in turnovers by Taylor, that was it. I mean, you knew that Carson was coming into the game. And the turnovers were bad. Make no mistake. Taylor Heineke, fourth quarter turnover number one. Commander's ninth offensive drive happened early in the fourth quarter. Second snap of the drive on a second and eight for the Commanders at their 21. With the 49ers having just taken a 24-14 lead, Taylor Heineke in a collapsing pocket got sack stripped from behind by edge defender Nick Bosa. The ball popped up into the air and the ball was caught by edge defender Jordan Willis for a fumble recovery. Ensuing 49ers offensive drive resulted in kicker Robbie Gold's 23-yard field goal for a 27-14 49ers lead. And then Taylor Heineke, fourth quarter turnover number two. Commanders' 10th offensive drive, second snap of the drive on a second and seven for the Commanders at their 22. Taylor Heineke threw an interception to defensive back Jimmy Ward as Taylor received a low snap from Wes Schweitzer, was in the midst of a collapsing pocket and threw the ball right to Ward as initially it seemed as if Taylor thought that his target running back Bride Robinson Jr. was going to keep running. Also on the play was Taylor taking a quarterback hit from interior defensive lineman Eric Armstead and the ensuing 49ers offensive drive resulted in Robbie Gold's fourth quarter 35-yard field goal for a 30-14. 49ers lead. Now, this was Taylor during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on the interception. Yeah, so we called a, you know, a quick game pass to where I was trying to get Jahan and they, you know, rolled a cover two, so it turned into go balls and I felt the pocket collapsing on me and I didn't feel comfortable kind of throwing it downfield at that point, so I tried to, you know, check it down to B-Rob and just a bad throw. I was a little too far right and, um, you know, I got, I got to be better. Interesting that Taylor Heineke took the blame for that pick. And look, Taylor may well be to blame for that pick. I do wonder, though, if Taylor might have been covering up for Brian Robinson Jr. Not sure. Hard to say. Hopefully we'll find out. Uh, But Taylor, during his postgame press conference on Saturday night, was all class. Uh, Taylor praised Carson Wentz. Uh, Taylor said the following regarding his situation. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's tough. Again, I've said this before. I, I don't. I try not look at it. Um, I kind of just try and roll with the punches. If I'm if I'm starting, I'll you know give it my all. If I'm not, I'm trying to be the best backup I can be. So um, I'm going to continue that um, and see what happens next week. All right. So Taylor Heineke on Saturday had the two fourth quarter turnovers. He also nearly threw an interception in the first quarter. Uh, Commander's second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. The fourth snap of the drive on a third and 13 for the Commanders at their 12. Taylor Heineke had a near pick on a shotgun incompletion on which he escaped a collapsing pocket. And then while running forward and to his right through a pass that came close to being intercepted, by safety to Sean Gibson Sr. Also, Taylor had a miss in the third quarter. Commander's sixth offensive drive was the commander's first offensive drive of the second half, resulted in a third quarter three and out. Third snap of the drive, third and six for the commanders at their 15. Taylor Heineke received a low snap from Wes Schweitzer and was off on a throw to running back Antonio Gibson, who was open on what ended up being a shotgun in completion. But are you noticing a pattern here, right? On all of these boo-boos by Taylor Heineke, we're talking about, you know, a collapsing pocket or pressure or a low snap from Wes Schweitzer, the offensive line. Uh, Also, Taylor failed on a quarterback sneak run in the third quarter. I wonder how much that factored into Ron Rivera benching Taylor in favor of Carson Wentz, who, of course, is a lot bigger than Taylor is and uh, thus would be more adept at the quarterback sneak, but Commander's seventh offensive drive resulted in a third quarter turnover on downs. The fourth snap of the drive, fourth and one for the Commanders at their 34. Taylor Heineke had a quarterback sneak run for no gain, and just two snaps later was 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy connecting on a third quarter, second and nine, 33 yard under center play action boot touchdown pass to tight end George Kittle. I know that some of you, maybe even a lot of you, had a problem with Ron Rivera going for it on this fourth and one for the Commanders at their 34. This was a gamble, no doubt. This was a gamble that backfired, no doubt. But I do get the gamble. I get the aggression, and I did not have a problem with it. You know, pulling off an upset on the road against a really good team requires taking some risk. Success belongs to the bold. 
Uh, this was a bold move that, you know, people would have loved had it worked. A quarterback sneak on fourth and one should work. It didn't, but that doesn't mean that the decision was without merit. The decision just did not work. Uh, now, I do want to make this clear. Taylor Heineke did do a number of good things in this game. Like I said earlier, he was not the commander's biggest problem in this game. Take a step back for a moment. The 49ers for the 2022 regular season through week 15 were number five in the NFL in pass defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. The 49ers defense this season is elite. And yet Taylor, during his time in the game, went 13 of 18 for 166 yards, two touchdowns. Now, he did have the interception. He also had a lost fumble on a sack strip. The turnovers were bad, no doubt. But he averaged 9.22 yards per pass attempt and had two touchdown passes against an elite defense. That's pretty good. Uh, Taylor in the first half was very good. 8 of 11 for 89 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. And his numbers could have been even better. The commander's third offensive drive uh, resulted in a second quarter turnover on downs. This was a 17-play drive that resulted in no points. Uh, There was a negative yardage read option run by Taylor Heineke on this drive. Fourth snap of the drive, Taylor had a first quarter second and nine shotgun read option run for a four-yard loss. There just was no room to go for the commander's running game for so much of this game. But the fifth snap of the drive on a first quarter, third and 13 for the commanders at their 24. Taylor Heineke capably handled a low snap from our pal Wes Schweitzer and had a 14-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin. Tenth snap of the drive and the first snap of the second quarter on a third and nine for the commanders at their 44. Taylor had an 11-yard shotgun completion to receiver Jahan Dodson. The 14th snap of the drive on a second and eight for the commanders at the 49ers 30. Taylor Heineke had a 25-yard under center play action completion to Jahan Dodson as Taylor made the completion while running to his right with two 49ers chasing him. Again, in the midst of pressure. Uh, Taylor came up big on the commander's fifth offensive drive. Uh, This drive started at the 49ers 31, thanks to safety Derek Forrest's second quarter interception. The drive resulted in Taylor's second and goal, four-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Jahan Dodson with 22 seconds left in the second quarter. This was a great throw by Taylor. He lofted a really nice pass to an open Jahan as Jahan ran toward the back right corner of the end zone. But also on this drive, seventh snap of the drive, Third and 14 for the Commanders at the 49ers 21. Taylor, again, had to handle a low snap by Wes Schweitzer, but Taylor had a 14-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel. Uh, Like I said, Taylor's first-half numbers could have been even better. Jahan Dodson had a killer drop on the Commanders' first offensive drive. Jahan was good in this game, but this drop was brutal, okay? Uh, Opening drive of the game resulted in a first-quarter three-and-out, third snap of the drive, Third and six for the Commanders at their 21. Jahan Dodson, a drop on a Taylor Heineke shotgun in completion. Another play on which Taylor had to handle a low snap from Wes Schweitzer. Taylor then got off the throw before being hit by Ed defender Charles Omenahu. Uh, Jahan did a nice job of shedding defensive back Diamador Lenore, but then appeared to lose the ball in the sun and then committed the drop on what should have been not just a catch, but a catch for a touchdown because Jahan had nothing but open real estate uh, behind him had he been able to make this catch. Additionally, and I've been all over Wes Schweitzer here, right? But Wes committed a really bad penalty uh, on the commander's fourth offensive drive. Uh, The drive resulted in a second quarter punt. The third snap of the drive, Wes Schweitzer, a first and 10 holding penalty that made for offsetting penalties and negated a 39-yard reception by Jahan Dodson. Uh, As for Carson Wentz, so Saturday's game was his first game in a while, right? His first game since suffering a fractured ring finger on his right hand in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football on October 13th. I thought that Carson looked good on Saturday. Uh, He went 12-16 for 123 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions, and took no sacks. Uh, Now, yes, a good chunk of his work did come in garbage time, but I liked a good bit of what we saw from Carson. Uh, The commander's 11th offensive drive was Carson's first drive of the game, and the drive resulted in a touchdown, resulted in Carson's fourth quarter, third and 10, 20-yard shotgun touchdown pass 
to Curtis Samuel as Carson capably handled a low snap from Wes Schweitzer and threw a perfect pass to Curtis Samuel on a route toward the front left corner of the end zone. Uh, now, Carson did get sacked on the commander's two-point conversion attempt, but Carson on the drive at 7 of 10 for 73 yards and the touchdown. Uh, third snap of the drive, third and one for the commanders at their 27. Carson had a four-yard shot and completion to Curtis Samuel. Uh, Carson had a Houdini-like escape on this drive. Fourth snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, 21-yard shotgun completion to running back Jonathan Williams as Carson, while being taken down by edge defender Nick Bosa, somehow got off a shovel pass to a wide-open Williams for a 21-yard gain. Uh, this was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on how he thought Carson Wentz looked in this game. Um, I thought he had a pretty good command of what we were doing. Um, I thought he stood tall in the pocket. He made a couple of quick decisions, got the ball out quickly a couple times, um, and only threw some good balls. Um, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things. We'll go through the week. Like I said, I'll sit down on, on, on Monday and Tuesday, and we'll talk about it as a staff. You know, as, as, uh, you know, I'll talk with Scott, and I'll talk with the offensive coaches, and we'll see where we are, and we'll go from there. All right. Now, I thought that this was key from Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday night. He emphasized that the commander's offense now is different than the offense that Carson was quarterbacking over the team's first six games of this regular season. Take a listen. One thing that, that we saw is, you know, with, with our ability to, to, to run the ball uh, or our desire to attempt to run the ball, it takes a lot off the quarterback. And so this is a little bit different offensive unit um, from the group that he played with, you know, um, what was going into the Bears game. So I think, you know, there, there are some things that, 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 you know, shows what he could do um, when he does have the, uh, the opportunity to stand tall in the pocket. Yeah, to me, Ron Rivera already has made his decision. Carson Wentz is back as the commander's starting quarterback. Uh, here was Carson during his postgame press conference on Saturday night. This league's crazy, and um, thankfully Taylor and I have an awesome relationship, and you know I've been supporting the heck out of him, and he's done the same for me all year. So um, a lot of things are outside of our control, and we control what we can and try and go play and, and be the best we can be. And uh, I know he's been doing that all along, and, and I'm trying to do the same. Okay, well, Taylor Heineke, upon being benched on Saturday, was not happy. He slammed his helmet to the ground at one point. You can't blame him for being upset. You can't blame him for being frustrated. He wants to play. There's nothing wrong uh, with that. Taylor may not be happy about being benched. Maybe he should take legal action. Uh, perhaps Taylor should contact the law firm of Paulson and Nace. Uh, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly one $1.8 million. Uh, this to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, you may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government at one. Uh, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment called 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family.
Well, it's great to have you with us. The Commanders do remain in the heat of a playoff race, and uh, the heat just got a bit hotter. Uh, but no podcast or show covers our Commanders like this podcast does. And so now's a great time to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast, especially as we approach the new year. If you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode and utilize the power of the pod, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Disappointing performance by the commander's defense in this 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday. You know, safety Cameron Curl did end up being inactive due to an ankle injury. The commander's defense really got going this season when Cam made his season debut in the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in week three. Uh, he had been inactive for each of the commanders' first two games in this regular season due to a right thumb injury that he suffered in the preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs on August 20th. It is no coincidence that the commanders on Saturday had arguably their worst defensive game since the defensive turnaround, and Cam on Saturday was inactive. Uh, he is a very key piece to the commander's defense. Uh, Next season, by the way, is the final season of Cam Curl's rookie contract. Signing him to a contract extension this offseason should be a goal of the commanders. Uh, Here was commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on not having Cam Curl in this loss at the 49ers. Um, You felt it. You know, we we tried to practice all week with with different packages. You know, we we tried to try to match it, you know, through substitutions and all that stuff. And, you know, a a young man like that is is valuable to what you're trying to do. And, you know, the other guys that came in played hard. They gave us everything they got. Um, You know, it got a little bit away from us with the turnovers uh, on on our side of the uh, 50 a couple times. And, um, you know, I I wish we had a better onside attempt and uh, go from there. Now, also on Saturday for the commander's defense quarter, Benjamin St. Juice returned from a three-game absence caused by a right ankle injury that he suffered in the win at the Houston Texans in Week 11. But St. Juice in the first quarter left the game due to an ankle injury, presumably the same ankle injury from which he was returning. Uh, Also, the commanders continue to have linebacker Cole Holcomb and interior defensive lineman Fidarian Mathis on the reserve injured list. And while the commander's defense in this game wasn't all bad, uh, there ended up being too much bad. And the bad primarily had to do with the commanders getting dissected by quarterback Brock Purdy. Yeah, the commander's defense on Saturday became the latest victim of the sensation that is Brock Purdy. The commander's defense on Saturday got Purdied. Uh, Brock Purdy, who the 49ers took with the last pick in the 2022 NFL draft, he in this game went 15 of 22 for 234 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He finished with a yards per pass attempt of 10.64. That is an outstanding yards per pass attempt. And included in this mix was the commanders getting shredded by tight end George Kittle, who, yes, is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. But did you have to let him do you to the tune of six receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns on eight targets? The 49ers' sixth offensive drive, which was the opening drive of the second half, was a seven-play, 76-yard drive that resulted in a Brock Purdy third quarter, third and four, 34-yard shotgun touchdown bomb to George Kittle. Uh, The 49ers' eighth offensive drive, the second snap of the drive, was a Brock Purdy third quarter, second and nine, 33-yard under center play action touchdown pass to George Kittle, who was wide open and generated 27 yards after the catch and running into the end zone untouched. Uh, The 49ers' ninth offensive drive resulted in Robbie Gold's 26-yard field goal, the first snap of the drive on a third quarter, first and 10 for the 49ers at their 40. The commanders gave up a 54-yard shotgun play action completion from Brock Purdy to receiver Brandon Ayuk. You know, the commanders in the first half did a fine job on Brock Purdy. Purdy did not have a very good first half in this game. Brock Purdy over the first two quarters went just four of nine for 55 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. But Brock Purdy in the second half, a much different story. Also, for the commander's defense in this game was the giving up 
of a big-time touchdown run. You know, the commanders in this game gave up too many explosive plays, none worse than this one. Receiver Ray Ray McLeod III, a second quarter, second and 10, 71-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run on an end-around run. Uh, That play, a horrendous look for this commander's defense. Uh, Now, the defense did have some positives. Okay, the commanders held the 49ers to just four of 11 on third downs. The commanders totaled three sacks. The commanders did generate a big takeaway. The 49ers Fourth offensive drive, the lone snap of the drive. First and 10 for the Niners at their 14. Safety, Derek Forrest, and interception. He caught a ball that was bobbled big time by receiver Jawan Jennings on a shotgun pass by Brock Purdy. In the ensuing commander's offensive drive did result in a touchdown. Resulted in quarterback Taylor Heineke's second and goal four-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dodson with 22 seconds left in the second quarter. Uh, also, the commander's run defense, with the exception of the Ray Ray McLeod III 71-yard touchdown run, was good. And I know, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Okay, I get that. But the commander's held 49ers running backs, Christian McCaffrey and Tyreon Davis-Price, to combine 24 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, That works out to a yards per carry of just 3.17. Go back to that 49ers first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter turnover on downs. The eighth snap of the drive on a third and one at the commander's 15. Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen stuffed Tyreon Davis-Price for no gain on an under center handoff run. And then the ninth snap of the drive, fourth and one for the 49ers at the Commanders 15. The Commanders stopped the Niners on what ended up being a lateral play as Christian McCaffrey got pushed out of bounds by linebacker David Mayo for no gain on a lateral play that went wrong for the Niners. Uh, And then there was this. Edge defender Chase Young made his 2022 season debut and looked very good. Uh, This was his first game since suffering a torn right knee in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Uh, Chase in this game ended up exceeding expectations, which granted weren't exactly sky high, but he ended up playing a lot more than the 12 or so defensive snaps that had been talked about, and Chase stood out. The 49ers' third offensive drive, the one that resulted in that Ray Ray McLeod, the third second quarter, 71-yard touchdown run. Uh, Third snap of the drive, first and 10 for the 49ers at their 13. Chase Young and interior defensive lineman Deron Payne combined to tackle Tyreon Davis-Price on a one-yard offset eye toss run. The fourth snap of the drive on a second and nine for the 49ers at their 14. Chase Young got his right arm up, not his left hand up, but his right arm up for a batted ball and a pass defense on a shotgun incompletion by Brock Purdy. Uh, the 49ers' ninth offensive drive resulted in Robbie Gold's 26-yard field goal on the first snap of the fourth quarter for a 24-14 49ers lead. Third snap of the drive and the third-to-last snap of the third quarter, second in goal at the five. Chase Young forced Brock Purdy to his right. Edge defender James Smith-Williams ended up being credited with a sack of Purdy for a four-yard loss uh, as Smith-Williams ran Purdy out of bounds, although Smith-Williams did get hurt on the play. But we were seeing Chase Young be a factor. We were seeing Chase Young be impressive. Uh, This was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on how Chase Young looked in this game. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. It was good. It was good. It really was. He was very active, uh, had a couple of tackles, knocked a couple of balls down, or knocked a ball down, um, got close a couple on a couple of his rushes. Um, the best thing, though, was his conditioning. I mean, he had done a great job with his conditioning, so he was able to play past the uh, uh, 12 to 16 reps that we had set for him pretty much. Um, and, you know, we, we told him he's got to be honest with us. We were going to trust him. Um, and when we got into the fourth quarter, you know, they, they, they asked if they wanted to shut him down, so I went over and asked him, talked to him directly, and, and he told me, Coach, I, I, I'm really feeling well. So I said, okay, let's go. So he kept going. What was your message to him, I guess? And were you surprised that he was able to keep playing no, through the fourth quarter? No, just because of his conditioning. I mean, you know, during this whole period of trying to get him wrapped up, ramped up, there was one thing he did. He just kept doing his work. Um, it was really just about being comfortable and being confident, and, and he got comfortable very quickly and was very confident. All right. Chase Young himself did a post-game press conference on Saturday night, and the Chase Young swag, shall we say, was back. 
Uh, he was back to being his confident, if not cocky self. And I say that uh, as a compliment. Here was Chase on the Commanders having two games left in the regular season and being in the midst of a playoff push. And then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. It's time to go. I'm fresh. My mind fresh. My legs fresh. I'm gonna be that. I'm gonna be that dog for the this, this run. You feel me? So, yeah. Did you have any discomfort at all out there? Uh, no, not really. You know, when you out there, adrenaline going. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Do you think those kind of extra weeks you took to ramp up helped you go past that limit? Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's why I always say from the start, being patient. Um. You know, this whole process, it kind of makes you be patient. Oh, um, man, you know, ready when I was ready. And Chase Young on Saturday was ready. You know, as long and as frustrating and as grueling as this entire process with Chase Young's right knee has been, uh, it may just be that he and the team handled the process just right. Up next, much more on the Commanders off their loss at the 49ers, including the Commander's running game. What the heck happened? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. All right, a few other items from the Commander's 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday that I want to hit on with you right now. So this loss clinches Washington not having at least 10 wins in a regular season for a 10th consecutive season. Uh, The last 10-win regular season for Washington remains the 2012-10-6 NFC East winning season. So yeah, a decade now without a 10-win regular season for our football team. Uh, Awful game for the commander's running game. Now, look, we get it. The 49ers are excellent defensively. The Niners for the 2022 regular season through week 15 were number two in the NFL in run defense for football outsiders DVOA metric. You figured that running the ball well in this game would at the very least be tough. Uh, Well, uh, doing so was tough. And then some. Uh, The commander's rushing offense in this game got stifled. Uh, Running backs Bride Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and Jonathan Williams. Receiver Curtis Samuel and quarterback Taylor Heineke combined for 33 carries for just 79 yards. Oh, the commanders tried to run the ball in this game, but uh, the running of the football was not successful. 33 carries for 79 yards. Uh, That works out to a yards per carry of 2.39. And of course, nothing was worse Nothing was more maddening than what happened on the commander's third offensive drive. Uh, This drive resulted in a second quarter turnover on downs. This was a 17-play drive that resulted in no points. And the commanders on this drive 
failed to score a touchdown over four consecutive goal-to-go runs. The 15th snap of the drive, first and goal at the five, Brian Robinson Jr., a pistol handoff run for no gain. The 16th snap of the drive on a second and goal at the five, Robinson, a four-yard shotgun handoff run. The 17th snap of the drive, third and goal at the one, Robinson, a shotgun handoff run for no gain. The 18th snap of the drive, fourth and goal at the one, Antonio Gibson, a shotgun handoff run for no gain. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. on Saturday, 22 carries for 58 yards. Uh, He had no receptions on one target, but Robinson averaged 2.64 yards per carry. He came into the game as one of the hottest running backs in the NFL, but yeah, he got cooled off on Saturday. Uh, And, you know, Robinson on that commander's third offensive drive that resulted in the second quarter turnover on downs did have two big runs. He had a first quarter, second and seven, nine yard under center handoff run. And he had an early second quarter, second and seven, 10 yard under center toss run. So he had two carries for 19 yards in terms of those two carries that just took it through. His other 20 carries in the game went for a total of 39 yards. Uh, Antonio Gibson, Five carries for 10 yards, uh, had two receptions for 21 yards on three targets. Jonathan Williams had three carries for 13 yards and two receptions for 28 yards on three targets. Not a good game for the Commanders running game. Not a good game for Commanders special teams. Uh, Kicker Joey Sly did not attempt a field goal, went 2-2 on extra points, but his onside kick attempt in the fourth quarter was terrible. (laughs) The Commanders had just cut their deficit to 30-20, And the onside kick attempt of Joey Sly was not good. Uh, The kick went just three yards, resulted in a five-yard illegal touch kick penalty by linebacker Kalik Hudson. Uh, Punter Tressway did have a good game. We're used to that. He usually has good games. Uh, Tress on Saturday had four punts. He averaged 48 yards per punt and 45 net yards per punt. But how about what happened with the commanders on kickoff returns in this game? So receiver Dax Milne was the commander's primary punt returner and ended up being the commander's primary kickoff returner off a fumble by Antonio Gibson. Gibson had a muff catch for a fumble that he did recover, uh, but this happened on a third quarter kickoff return off quarterback Brock Purdy's third quarter, third and four, 34-yard shotgun touchdown bomb to tight end George Kittle. And so Antonio Gibson and Dax Milne each ended up with three kickoff returns in this game. You know, the Antonio Gibson fumbling problem had not been a problem this season, but he and the commander's previous game, the loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football in Week 15, did have his fumble. Uh, What was his first fumble of this 2022 regular season? I'll remember finishing the 2021 regular season number one among all running backs in the NFL in most fumbles at six. And here we had Gibson on Saturday with a fumble, uh, albeit one on a kickoff return, and he did recover the fumble, but that's not the point. I mean, ball security has been a concern with Antonio Gibson, and that concern is perhaps re-emerging here. Uh, Also, corner Rashad Wild Goose on Saturday, a very foolish 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty on a third-quarter kickoff that resulted in a touchback. I mean, how often do you see that? A 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty on a kickoff that results in a touchback, and yet we had that. You know, we all get it. The margin for error for this commander's team isn't big. This team to win has to do a lot of things well. To say nothing of this team to win at a really good team in the 49ers has to do a lot of things well. And too many things on Saturday were not done well. Well, a team that is doing a lot of things well right now is the Capitals. Uh, They are in the midst of a nice little Christmas break. Their next game isn't until this Tuesday night at the New York Rangers at 7. And so the Caps have some time to not only rest, but to bask in the afterglow of what happened on Friday night. Winger Alex Ovechkin scoring two goals to move past Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history. Uh, This and yet another Caps win. The Caps won for the ninth time in 10 games, improved to 19-13-4 with a 4-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets at Capital One Arena 
on Friday night. That's the thing. It's not just that Alex Ovechkin passed Gordie Howe. It's also that the Caps are rolling right now. Uh, but yeah, Ovi on Friday night made NHL history. Uh, he had two goals, a secondary assist, a game-high seven shots on goal, a game-high 10 total shot attempts, and three hits. And he now has 802 career NHL regular season goals. Gordie Howe had 801 career NHL regular season goals. And the only person now ahead of Ovi in terms of career NHL regular season goals is the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Ovi is at 802. Gretzky is at 894. Uh, Ovechkin tied Gordie Howe with an even strength goal, 18-22 into the first period as Ovi scored on a snapshot as he was skating into the right circle. Uh, the snapshot was set up by a very nice drop pass by center Dylan Strom, and Ovi's shot went right through the five hole of Jets goaltender David Riddick. Here was the call from John Walton and Ken Sabrin on the Washington Capitals radio network. Nothing, nothing game here. Ovechkin. In along the right side, and a shot, he scores! And there it is! The goal that ties Gordie Howe! That is 8-0-1, and Washington leads the game 1-0! He has done it! Alex Ovechkin with one to tie. Now he needs one to move on. Well, we knew it was a matter of time, and he finally gets comes down the wing and lets that patented snapshot go, uses the D as a screen, and beats the goaltender. And everybody, this place erupted when that puck went in. The goal counter in the southwest end of the building has flipped over. All right, and then Alex Ovechkin moved past Gordie Howe with an even-strength, empty net goal, 19 minutes into the third period. Uh, now, ideally, Ovi would have moved past Howe on a non-empty net goal, and actually, this became comical because center Evgeny Kuznetsov had the puck in the Cavs' offensive zone with the Jets having pulled David Riddick, but Kuzi pretty clearly did not want to score, and so he passed the puck to Ovi, who also didn't seem to want to score, but he did score. And I will say this, yes, the goal was an empty net goal, but this wasn't an easy empty net goal. You know, as empty net goals go, this was a difficult empty net goal. Ovi's shot came with him up against the boards on the left side and was surrounded by multiple Jets players. So there is that. Uh, but here was the call from John Walton and Ken Sabrin of this goal from Alex Ovechkin. Let's see if he gets another chance. He's definitely going to go for it into the empty oh, net. We, we know that. Capitals win the draw. They try to feed Ovechkin. He's got it at the blue line. He looks and he passes to Kuznetsov. <laughs> if Getty says, oh, no, you don't. But they get to the shot. And now the shot in for the outside. And Alex Ovechkin, 8-0-2. The bench empties. There are two top skaters in National Hockey League history at the top of the goal-scoring list. It's the great eight and the great one. And number 99 is on deck. Congratulations to Alex Ovechkin. Goal 8-0-2. The fans wanted to see history here tonight, and they have gotten exactly that. All right, Alex Ovechkin on Friday night did finish next to last on the Caps in 5-on-5 shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 32.35. Uh, the Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in 5-on-5 situations in the game had just 11 shot attempts versus allowing 23 shot attempts. So not a great puck possession night for Alex Ovechkin, but that's okay. Uh, Ovi moved past Gordie Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history. And now the only person left for Ovechkin to move past is Wayne Gretzky. Uh, this was Alex Ovechkin during his postgame session with reporters on Friday night, a session that included Ovi having his two sons on his lap. Uh, obviously, uh, family here, um, friends, fans, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty big moment. Your boys just sitting on your lap, taking pictures, <laughs> holding those pucks, 801, 802. How emotional is that for you? Yeah, very emotional. Um, you know, my parents uh, watch it in home. Uh, my wife here, uh, kids here, uh, friends, and um, how I said, um, 
do it at home crowd it's uh it's a uh, special um you know uh, thank them uh, for all support and uh, you know um this pretty big it's a history moment you know it's uh it's nice to be uh, in this category uh, of players and uh you know it's uh pretty cool well, the empty netter out yeah. He didn't want to score. He, gave it, he didn't want to score, and he gave it back to you. Yeah, uh, you know, um, it's uh, um, yeah, it's kind of situation. Uh, if you have a chance to uh, to take it, you take it. You know, uh, I gave it to Kuzi, and uh, you know, he's like, I don't want to take it. Uh, and, uh, but uh, you know, after that, uh, you know, it's uh, it's special. Yes, it is. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference on Friday night on Alex Ovechkin. I mean, it's, well, it's, I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but moments like that in hockey rarely come up where, you know, you pause the game to honor somebody for such a special achievement. Um, you know, what he's been able to accomplish here in Washington um, is truly unbelievable and you know you get an opportunity in a night like tonight to just again pause the game and take a moment and just um, just honor you know, honor that moment of what happened is is pretty special now also for the caps on Friday night was something scary defenseman John Carlson was struck on the side of the head slash face by a slap shot by Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon and Carlson ended up being transported to a hospital for precautionary reasons. Uh, frightening stuff. Uh, the Caps on Saturday afternoon announced that Carlson had been discharged from the hospital earlier on Saturday, uh, remained under the care of team medical personnel, and is out indefinitely. Uh, first and foremost, get well soon, John Carlson. But from purely a hockey standpoint, here we go again with the injury ravaged caps uh, getting even more injured. There has been like a black cloud hovering over the caps this season regarding injury. Uh, the caps on Friday night already were without two defensemen in Alexander Alexiev and Martin Ferravari due to injury, in addition to being without a bunch of forwards due to injury. Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, Carl Hagelin, and Beck Malenstein. Uh, this game was the second game of a back-to-back for the Caps, and so Charlie Lindgren on Friday night was the Caps' starting goaltender for a ninth time in 10 games. Uh, remember, Darcy Kemper uh, just returned from an upper body injury with his start on Thursday night. Kemper in what was a 3-2 overtime win at the Ottawa Senators on Thursday night, stopped 23 of the 25 shots on goal that he faced. Well, Lindgren on Friday night was good yet again. Uh, he stopped 25 of the 26 shots on goal that he faced, Lindgren per natural stat trick stopped nine of the 10 high danger shots on goal that he faced. Caps on Friday night went 2 of 2 on the penalty kill, did go 0 of 4 on the power play. But congrats to Alex Ovechkin. You know, Ovi already is number one all time in hockey references, adjusted regular season goals. Uh, adjusted goals is a goal scoring metric that adjusts for offensive environment. Wayne Gretzky, keep in mind, played in a time in which scoring goals in the NHL was a lot easier than scoring goals is now. But look out, Wayne, because Ovi is coming for 894. The next target for the great eight is the great one. All right, so Friday night was a feel-good night for the Capitals. Friday night also was a feel-good night for our Wizards. Uh, They concluded their brutal season-long six-game road trip with a 125-111 win at the Sacramento Kings. Uh, The Wizards ended up going 2-4 and on the trip, which featured all of the games being out west, and it featured games against a number of really good teams. Uh, This win for the Wizards on Friday night was just their third win in 17 games. Yeah, uh, these last few weeks have not gone well for our Wizards, but they did win on Friday night. Uh, now are 3-14 and 14 since their 10-7 and seven start, 13-21 and 21 overall. This was a very comfortable win for the Wizards. Uh, they never trailed or were tied after the first quarter. The Wizards in the third quarter led by 30 points. Uh, the Wiz were without multiple key players. Denny Avdia did not play for a second consecutive game due to lower back soreness. Will Barton did not play due to lower back soreness. But DeLon Wright on Friday night 
was back. Uh, he returned from a 29-game absence caused by a grade two right hamstring strain that he suffered in a 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on October 25th. Yeah, DeLon Wright had been out for a while, uh, but he was back and he was good. Uh, Wright on Friday night in 15-11 off the bench, uh, scored just two points, but had eight assists versus no turnovers. The Wizards on Friday night were really good offensively, uh, with the exceptions of a couple of things. But the Wizards scored 125 points, uh, scored 70 points in the paint. The Wiz went 35 of 44 in the paint. Uh, The Wiz finished with 30 assists versus just 10 turnovers. Uh, The two offensive nits to pick for the Wiz, they went just to 10 of 32 on threes and went just 17 of 24 on free throws. But the Wiz also held the Kings to just... 10-32 10-32 on threes. Uh, I mentioned DeLon Wright being back. Uh, Rui Hachimura on Friday night was good in his second game back from a 16-game absence caused by right ankle soreness. Uh, Rui in 26 minutes, 56 seconds as a reserve. 3-7 on threes, 6-8 on twos. He finished with 21 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists versus one turnover. Bradley Beal in 34 minutes, 13 seconds as a starter, two of four on threes, eight of 12 on twos, and two of three on free throws. He finished with 24 points and four assists versus three turnovers. Kyle Kuzma, 37 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter. He went just two of eight on threes, but also 12 of 15 on twos, two of three on free throws. Finished with 32 points, nine rebounds, five assists versus one turnover and two steals. And also back for the Wizards on Friday night was Chris Dams Porzingis. He had missed each of the team's previous two games due to a non-COVID illness. Uh, The Zinger on Friday night, 34 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter. He did not shoot well. Uh, 0-3 on threes, 2-8 of on twos, 3-5 of on free throws. Scored just seven points, but he also had 13 rebounds and two blocks. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Philadelphia 76ers, Tuesday night at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So the next installment of the podcast will be for Tuesday, what will be episode 472. No show for Monday, but a show for Tuesday. Uh, I, on Tuesday's show, we'll have a lot more for you on the Commanders, off them falling to 7, 7, and 1 with this 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday, including, of course, the quarterback situation. Uh, Merry Christmas. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Have a nice Monday. And I'll talk to you on Tuesday. It's time to go. I'm fresh. My mind fresh. My legs fresh. I'm going to be that dog for the, this, this run. You feel me? So, yeah.